0: Heel Tough Blog Podcast. Hey guys and welcome to another edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. It's Anthony Pagnotta, Josh Marlowe with you and today we are getting you ready for the upcoming Tar Heel football season. The team is officially one week into camp as we record here on Wednesday uh, of uh, this week in August and uh The excitement is officially starting to build. We have coaches' polls that are out. Uh, Basically, all of the watch lists have officially been completed. Carolina has a pretty good representation in all this. We're going to talk about that here in just a minute. Uh, Also talk about uh, some stuff going on in fall camp. We're going to do some true-false, which is based off of some of the stuff that we've heard um, from the um, countless interviews that guys have done they have had a ton of media availability so far uh, to Star camp today is actually the first day that they didn't have anybody available to the media at least when I checked earlier um, in terms of uh, players coaches they've had a bunch of guys come through and talk so we've gotten a little bit of a feel for that we'll react to some of that with a little true false we'll do our bold predictions for the upcoming season we told you that edition of the podcast was coming the article will follow pretty close behind where we'll go a little more in depth on that as well so we're going to do that on today's podcast and then we'll close out with a couple of last minute notes that you guys will definitely want to stick around for including one huge recruiting note that we'll get to uh, on the back end but let's start out Talking about some of that stuff, I mean, the watch list, I mean, there's countless, you know, Sam Howell, of course, leads the list of guys. Bo Corrales is on a watch list. Uh, Ty Chandler in the Doke Walker Award watch list. But I think the biggest news in terms of the preseason so far for the Tar Heels is the fact that they do come in ranked number nine in the coaches' poll. Carolina just behind Iowa State, just ahead of uh, Cincinnati, inside the top ten in the coaches' poll. So uh, this is a big start for Carolina I think you know again when you get to the AP poll that's the one that most of the major outlets including ESPN and They've run by in terms of their rankings that they put next to the name uh, when they when Carolina's on television, everything like that. So that's the other one that we're waiting for right now. Uh, but this is a, a pretty good step in the right direction for Carolina, and it kind of shows where the hype is at around this Carolina team this year amongst even the coaches throughout the sport.
1: Well, I don't really know if you know this, but the coaches poll was voted on, well, by the coaches, and if the coaches around oh, the gee, country... The point I
0: just made, yeah, exactly. we're going to hammer that home. Buddy, I'm gonna um, tell you, you are on it today with uh, the hard-hitting facts. Dude, Josh Scoops Marlowe is just killing That might be today. my new name. I'm telling you. It,
1: it shows you where our competitors think we are <laughs> within the ACC, Clemson, and Miami. But nationally, they think this team is a preseason top-ten team. A lot of that's because you've got arguably, in our opinion, the best quarterback in college football. If not, he's a top two quarterback in the country, and you know who's going to be taking snaps for you. So it shows you where we've come. It's you know we haven't been this high since '97 when they were number eight in the preseason poll. That was Mac Brown 1.0. This course Mac Brown 2.0. Um, but also yeah, also wasn't a bad season that year either. So, so yeah, mm-hmm. um, this is you know I've been waiting for the like the college football kicking the butt to get me going and it's coming because we got the first poll we get the AP poll next week and then by that you're two weeks
0: less away before they actually start hitting people and playing games you don't th- what what about that week 0 matchup between Hawaii and UCLA you think that's going to get the horse moving no <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, uh, no, but I mean, the first week of college football this year, uh, it's pretty stacked. And look, Carolina, that's one of the biggest games out of the gate. So we're going to learn a lot about this team very, very quickly. But yeah, like you mentioned, there's a lot of people that feel pretty good about this Carolina team, and I think it's very telling that they are inside of that top 10. We'll talk a little bit more about that here in just a second, but one thing that I did want to note is that, of course, the first week of practice is in the books, and there are are a couple of guys that have not been out there, uh, according to some of the reports. Brian Anderson, we know that has been talked about by the coaching staff, uh, everything like that. He is not out there. He was seen. There was a photo that was circulating around that somebody sent to me of him in a walking boot. Um, not sure, uh, you know, what exactly the injury is. D- again, Mac Brown is one of those guys. He loves using the hockey terms when it comes to injuries. Lower body, upper body. They, they like to be somewhat um, discreet about what they're releasing uh, to the media, but the belief is, at least from what everybody has said, is that he will be back in time for the season opener. If not, I don't think there's a whole lot of panic from a lot of people because of Kieran Johnson. Remember, he started the game last year against Wake Forest. Uh, Carolina's offense was not the issue in that game, uh, so I, I think that people feel decent about that, that position even with Brian Anderson not being there right now. Storm Duck also is another guy that is reportedly out right now. That one has not really been confirmed. That's just something that I've seen rumored. So I'm not sure if that's actually the case, but we'll kind of find out as we go get a little bit closer to the start of the season whether or not he's going to be there. It seems like from Another little tidbit that I saw. Most people believe that everybody is going to be ready for the start of the season, and I'm assuming that includes Storm Duck in that conversation. But we'll just have to wait and see. Bo Corrales is limited right now in practice. That was another note that I saw. That, again, is something that has not been confirmed but that uh, I did see floating around out there. Tamari Fox, Joshua Zudu, Chaffrey Brown, guys that were injured uh, in the spring, Um Both, you know, first two guys missed all of spring camp. Choffrey Brown, of course, practiced in the first couple of practices, injured himself there, and then missed the rest. They are all apparently, as it seems, full participants in camp. Tamari Fox did confirm that he is. Mac Brown hinted at the fact that uh, Choffrey Brown was. He said he was. uh, he, He was well. In his press conference, so I'm assuming that that means that uh, he is out there. And uh, Zudu. haven't seen anything saying he's not out there, so the assumption is he's he's out there right now. That is Carolina's arguably best offensive lineman. If he wasn't out there, you would feel that somebody would have said something. Um, so let's get into it. Talk a little bit about uh, you know the press conferences, and yeah, look, there have been a bunch of press conferences that have been going on. Of course, Mac Brown led the week off back uh, on Thursday. Quarterback Sam Howell joined him as well they were up on the big podium and then uh, the guys have been doing stuff after practice you've had uh, both Phil Longo Jay Bateman have talked and you've had a bunch of guys from all over the offense and the defense come in uh, to talk to the media so we've gotten a lot of really good interviews uh, that have come out from uh, the media uh, great you know have to hand it to uh, the guys over there uh, I, I had, Tar Heel Athletics in that office of getting these guys there, so we can hear a little bit from these guys. And um, look, I mean, certain position groups they haven't really said a lot. I'm gonna tell you, running backs, we don't really know anything. They asked Gregory Hall, who does a great job for inside Carolina. He asked Ty Chandler directly, "Who's taking the most snaps behind you?" Ty Chandler proceeded to give a non-answer where he basically shouted out the entire running group, <laughs> which is good leadership. Great job by him. But, you know, for us that are kind of, you know, chomping at the bit to find out what this depth chart looks like a little bit, didn't help us out too much. Uh, so there's nothing in here about that, but uh, there were a lot of things that came out. But first, the first true-false that we're going to do, we're going to do five of these. Uh, it's simple. Tell me true or false on these statements. First one is one that doesn't have anything to do with what we heard uh, when it came to the, me, the, the media, um, what am I looking for? Availability. availabilities Yeah, there we go. I said it so many times before. Um, they didn't talk about it there. Uh, they may coming up here, but the poll didn't come out until yesterday, probably after all the guys interviewed, so no one really was able to ask them about that. But... Uh, Carolina ranked number nine in the coaches poll, as we talked about. Do you think that this fall, this statement is true or false? The Tar Heels deserve to be ranked number nine in the coaches poll. I say true. Um, I would make
1: the argument they should be ranked higher because then they should be ranked ahead of Notre Dame. Notre mm-hmm. Dame was ranked seventh. They were the only school in the top seven um, that does – or no, Oklahoma is the only school that returns this top, it, its quarterback from a year ago. Notre Dame, I think, of all the teams ranked ahead of Carolina, is probably lesser in terms of talent than Carolina. And right. maybe maybe Iowa State, but Matt Campbell's done a fantastic job there. Um, but I say true. I think I think they deserve to be in the top ten. <laughs>
0: Yeah, um, that's it. that that's in. Inter- I would say true. I would definitely say number nine. I think is probably the right spot for them. I, you know, Notre Dame. I think could be lower, um, but I, I, I think between them and Carolina, I mean, the thing is, is if you look later on into the schedule, the game against Notre Dame. That's a game that, you know, I think at this point would be a toss-up. And I think by that time, that Notre Dame team will also be a much different team than the one that takes the field to start the season. But you're right. Lose their starting quarterback. They lose a majority of their offensive line, which, as we know, that's been a strength of Notre Dame for a while. So they'll have other guys that are coming in, but that's another place where when they're at their best, it's because of seniority down there. So we'll see. They've got some pieces that they have to replace there. I think people want to make the argument that Carolina is ranked a little too high, but let's be honest. I mean, who behind them do you really think should be ranked ahead of them? I mean, one team that I saw— I'd probably Florida. go Cincinnati.
1: Made they the, made a new year <sighs> six bowl game last year. You turn the starting quarterback. They play in a much more easier conference. Like if they're undefeated, no one's going to be surprised at the end of the season.
0: Right, but so they don't play the schedule that Carolina does. So I think that's that, that could help them. I would take. Sam Howell over Desmond Ritter, which I, I think, think would be a big factor in that game. I think anybody would take Well, yeah, but look, Desmond Ritter's a legitimate quarterback. That's one of those guys, I mean, look, just off the top of my head, of guys returning, he's got to be top, a top 10 starter in yes. country, right? I mean, he's a heck of a player. Um, I saw people trying to make the argument for Florida based on the fact that they probably have more sheer talent. I mean, they, that's not an argument, but baby, they've lost a lot. Right. See, I... see. And I think, look, the talent gap is closing between them and Carolina. Carolina's added a lot of talent. Like, this is a team that looks a lot different than a few years ago. Like, this isn't a team. Like, I would say, I mean, Carolina, I think they have probably, a, I don't know, maybe around the same, maybe a little bit higher amount of talent than Miami right now. So they're probably in that range. I think Florida, I mean, they're they're still ahead of Carolina, but yeah, I'm with you. I think they lose a lot at the skill positions. You lose your starting quarterback, and I'm one. I don't get the Emory Jones type. I think he's can be good, but do we really think he's a game-changing quarterback? Do we think he's going to be that much better for that offense than Kyle Trask was? I don't know. I don't really know that either. Um, and then Oregon was another one that I saw up there. But I, I just – is it just me, or is there nothing really that – attractive about Oregon outside of Thibodeau, their pass rusher. I, I don't see, like, this isn't the dynamic Oregon offense that we've seen in years past where you'd say, well, they're going to put up a ton of points. That might allow them to be better than Carolina. Like, that's that's kind of where I'm at with that. So, I'm with you. Uh, all right, how about this one? Toriels have one of the top three defensive line units in the ACC this season. This comes pretty much after, I mean, they, they, the defensive line unit was – Easily the most talked about unit By anybody on the defensive side of the football And we heard from A bunch of guys on that Defensive line, feels like the Talent is there from what they're saying Do you think it's a top three unit in, in the ACC right? Yes, I would go
1: yes I like the, when I mean, we broke we down This position group, you like the talent but what do we like more about what they've added in the last couple of years? There's a lot more depth up there. I think you – and we've seen that in the last couple of years that you need that depth. So, I would say yes.
0: Uh, I hate to be this guy, but, yeah, I'm going to have to go true. I I, I got to I, – I mean, look, I think they're still behind Clemson for sure. Yeah, Brise, Miles Murphy. I mean, that's a – that's a loaded group. Um, you know, Miami I think is definitely going to have a good unit again this year, but that's another one where you kind of they they lose their top two pass rushers from a year ago, how do they
1: Miami breeds to that? defensive line talent because right. there's right too but, much talent in the state of Florida for them not to. The, but you're
0: but talking a, about statistically two of the best that they've had in a long time. That that pass-rushing combo last year was special but between Phillips and Roche, both gone
1: now. The best thing is that if your defensive line's being mentioned in the same breath as Clemson and Miami, you're doing something right.
0: Right. Yeah, and outside of that, I mean, look, Pittsburgh, they are another one year in and year out that seems to produce a pretty good group up front. NC State's had some good defensive lines, but you know, losing Aleem McNeil, it feels like they're probably going to be a little bit behind Carolina. But like you said, I think the starters are one thing. You bring everybody back from a year ago, but you're talking about the depth that now, I mean, from hearing them talk in these press conferences, this group, uh, from what it seems, they can go about 9 or 10 deep. And that is something I can't remember the last time. I don't even know if they could do that under Butch Davis. I think that the talent level of the guys that were rotating in may have been higher than the group that will be out there this year for Carolina. But in terms of sheer numbers, I think this may be the deepest we've ever seen this defensive line. I think we're about to find out. So... I I, I definitely agree on that one. Uh, Jaquarius Conley and Giovanni Biggers will start multiple games together this year. We heard from both of these guys. Um, Gio Biggers is the guy that has been talked about by every defensive back N. J. Jay Bateman uh, in these press conferences as the guy that has stood out on this defense. Even some of the defensive linemen and the wide receivers have talked about him and how he has grown uh, from you know when he arrived to Carolina and especially has taken a jump this spring and now into the fall. It seems like, I mean, from what they're saying, he is going to be a big factor here whether it's at free safety or the bandit safety position is what they're calling it Um, he says he's been rotating back and forth between those two spots Jaquarius Conley confirmed to the media he is taking all of his snaps at that bandit safety position so it looks like he's going to play a big role there this one's a little bit trickier because this means that Trey Morrison would be the guy that would be the odd man out but I think there's a lot of hype around these two guys do you think that both of these guys could start alongside each other, multiple games alongside? Does multiple each other is that
1: four, or yeah. is it? Okay. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, so four. Like two is a couple. So if you is
0: three, so multiples four, right? I mean, yeah. I mean, multiple games technically would be two, but I think, yeah, I, I would say probably at least three. How about that? At least three games beside each other.
1: I don't know. Oh, that's. I'm, I'm gonna go false. Okay. I do think Giovanni Biggers <laughs> is going to have a much bigger role on this defense. You got
0: to make that joke <laughs> every, every,
1: time. every time, every time. Um, and 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 so I, I, I don't know. I, I think that will be. And We mentioned this when we brought that up. I think that'll be a performance by like that'll be a week by week thing. Like whoever they yeah, think, like yeah. it's like the who's Definitely. hot at running back or whatever. Like, who they think's playing better at that moment, they're gonna play. Cool. Who's got
0: the hot hand? Really, who is the most consistent heading into that week? Is, yeah. is going to be more of what it is. Yep, I'm gonna go true. Okay, I think at some point from from what they've been saying about him, it, Bigger's is, is going to get a starting role at some point. I, I just I. I They have talked so much about his growth. He's a guy that gets raved about, and no slight against Trey Morrison. I just think... Potentially later on in the season, and another angle that you could approach with this is I mean, look at the injury luck that they've had back there at some point. I think both of these guys will get on and here 's the other thing, like you said. I could see games where Giovanni Bigger starts along with Conley, and you see heavy rotation of trey Morrison coming in so i'm i'm going to say true, I think at some point you see both of those guys out there multiple games starting together.
1: I think another element to this is. That's a guy that, like, we were we for all the players and for the team, but like, that's a guy that's been here. He could have left. He could have transferred. But no he, doubt. He, no he's, doubt. He stuck around, and he's on the verge of reaping the rewards, and those kind of guys in this day and age, you always pull, I mean, pull look, a little I mean, look, he harder. comes
0: from the DMV area. If he wanted to transfer to, to Maryland, they would have taken him in a heartbeat. So I, you're right. I mean, he's a guy that put in the work. Um, he talked a lot when, it, when he was up there on Tuesday uh, about the fact that, last spring when they were in the COVID period. He really focused with his dad on learning the defense, sort of getting it down pat this year, sort of put that into effect when he was on the field in the spring. He's added the weight because he came in at 174. He said he was way too light for the position. Now he's at 198, which allows him to play the bandit safety, as he described it, basically the boundary safety or the guy that fills the box, the role that Cam Kelly played last year. So at that weight, it feels like he can handle that role as well. And I think that's the best part about him when you talk about him is that he can play either one of those positions so the more versatility that you have better chance you're going to play so I think it's really working out for him and yeah I, I have to go true on that one uh continuing true false here in case you guys are uh are are trying to catch up on exactly what we're doing you have uh emory simmons is a guy that a lot of people have been talking about in that wide receiver room as we know diami brown is gone he is currently with the washington redskins doing well by the way close to uh, potentially football team but potentially oh yeah i'm gonna i the amount of times that i do that when talking about them good Thanks for catching me on that one. The Washington football team, uh, he has... uh, Someone asked me the other
1: day who he played for. I just told him football team. That's a good team, dude. That's a quality (laughs) football team Football team that won the NFC East last year. They
0: did. They did. Yes, exactly. Uh, And and look, he's got a chance to earn a pretty big role there. But that means Carolina is out without the guy that was their deep threat a year ago. Carolina's trying to find that guy. There have been some guys that have been floated out there. I think the majority of us thought that with his speed, that would be Choffrey Brown. Yeah. May not necessarily be the case, or it may not be as clear that Choffrey Brown is going to be the guy as, at least I thought when we talked a couple weeks ago on the podcast. Um, Now there's other guys entering the fray. One guy that is not mentioned here but I think deserves to be mentioned because he was talked about multiple times. Justin Olsen's getting a lot of run. There are a lot of people, that think, that he has shown some pretty good things in camp. Uh, A lot of the guys believe that he is going to be a factor when it comes to the guys that can be the deep threat. But ultimately, the guy that has been talked about the most is the guy that has supposedly added a lot of speed to his game. He said this himself, and uh, uh, Jaquarius Conley backed this up, and is apparently out there clocking in at about 21 miles per hour on the GPS tracker that they do each day. They actually have a ranking up on the board at the end of each day to see who is moving the fastest in practice. It's a little competition thing and with the modern technology, you can measure these types of things. But it's Emery Simmons who has been that guy. So the big question here is is do you think Emery Simmons is the deep threat for this 2021 offense? <sighs> You, I'm going to be honest. I gotta, I'm going to. I'm going to You have true. no choice but to say true here. This is this is your guy. This is my
1: dude. <laughs> um, but no, I mean, I think everything you've just said. A lot of guys in the wide receiver room they've they've spoken about him and look, there's a there's a lot of talent in that room. There's a lot of depth in that definitely, room. So definitely. So if, if his name's getting being brought up, he's doing something right. So I say true because I think he's put in the work. But also, I mean, I think Carolina. I think Carolina has to have that if they want to make the ACC title game. So if you already have that going into that game at Virginia Tech, you feel a lot better about your chances. Well, here's
0: the thing. Somebody has to be the deep threat. and I believe that guy is somewhere on this roster because if you don't have the deep threat, then this offense is not going to be anywhere near as effective as it was last year. In order for this offense to be at its best, we've talked about it multiple times, you have got to be able to hit the deep ball. And and look, Josh Downs will help you there, but you need that guy on the outside that can – be that primary take-the-top-off guy and allow Josh Downs to do that occasionally but work in the slot and be that short-yardage, reliable receiver that he can be out there as well. I got to go true as well. With everything that everybody's saying, the added speed for him, I mean, he, he he was up, he said last year, he was up to 205. Now he's back down to 190, which is where he's used to playing at. So the speed is back there for him. Man, we're now the
1: same... Weight at 190, and we run the same speed, 21 miles per hour. You,
0: I'm going to be honest. I think at this point you've reached the weight where your car doesn't even go 21 miles an hour <laughs> with you in it. Now mine doesn't even make it to 15, so, you know, it is what it is. But um, I, I, I just – something tells me this is one of those guys from hearing him talk, from hearing the other guys on the team talk about him, hearing the coaches talk about him. This feels like that guy that is in the junior year where he sort of breaks out. He's been sitting behind some of these other guys, and rightfully so. I mean, look, he's he, he's shown some flashes, but you weren't putting him in the game over Deami Brown. You no. weren't putting him in the game over a healthy Bo Corrales. You weren't putting him in the game over a healthy Daz Newsom, and he knows that. He brought that up the other day. So he knows that this is his opportunity, and it feels like he's seizing it. I got to go true on this one as well. Last one that we'll do here of true false, then we'll get into the bold predictions. Garrett Walston finishes top three on the team in receiving this season. So
1: does that mean in terms of catches and yards or just catches or just yards?
0: I would say yards is going to be what you're going to measure here because I don't uh, know if his catches are going to be
1: – I would say if Emory Simmons is your deep threat, I say false because I think your top three receivers are going to be – Josh Downs, Corrales, and then Simmons if he's your deep threat. If you don't have a deep threat, I think absolutely there's there's that, there's that possibility. But considering what you asked at number four, I say false.
0: I'm going to go false here, but I will say this. I do think that there is a chance based on – I'm not even saying Simmons or Downs – I am more concerned about the ability of Bo Corrales to stay healthy right now. Because, I i mean, look, probably just taking it slow coming back, but for, for him to still be limited right now, remember, he got injured in the middle of last season against Florida State. Now, sports hernia injury is not anything to mess around with. That's, that's a tough injury, especially because he, he had to have surgery on it and everything like that. But... I, that that's my one concern there. If he stays healthy, false. But I think if if he if he struggles with his health, there could be some guys that rotate in there or like you said if Emory Simmons doesn't end up being that deep threat, they got to rotate some guys there. I think there's a chance, but I'm going to go false as well. So, that's our true false uh our true false uh, segment here on the show. We are going to have, I am currently finishing up and we'll have, probably we'll have that up there before the podcast uh, for you guys to look at. It'll be uh, just our takeaways from that first week of interviews outside of the Mac Brown interview. uh, As I mentioned, Heard from Sam Howell, a bunch of other guys in there. Josh Downs, Ty Chandler, Tamari Fox, Trey Morrison, Jaquarius Collin, all those guys. Uh, we have you know, some takeaways from all that and the coordinators as well. That'll be going up on the website for you guys to take a look at uh, here on the night of recording. I'm going to put that up later tonight, so make sure that you guys go and check that out on the website. It should be up for you guys right now. Let's move into our bold predictions. This is one of our favorite things that we do each year, this and the break out candidates one of our favorite things that we do both on the podcast and on the website uh we're gonna you know go through give you our bold predictions here we will also have something up on the website as we normally always do we'll put something up on there uh where we'll sort of go a little more in depth on it uh but i i'm gonna lead this one off because i feel like your final one is the most bold of the group, so I'm going to go first because we're going to do like we always do. We're going to do the alternating back and forths. So at number one, and I, this is I, I go from I go from lukewarm takes, or, or I would I wouldn't even say lukewarm. I would say warm to hot takes here in terms of my bold predictions. I feel like you probably did it the same way. So at number one, I got uh, Des Evans. Leads the team in sacks this year. And he gets the double-digit sack mark. Uh, That's a mark that Carolina's been trying to get to for a while. The last guy to do it, believe it or not, you have to go all the way back to Kareem Martin back in 2013. So this is – it's going to take a lot to get there for sure.
1: A Larry Fedora defense had a guy reach double digits in sacks.
0: To be fair, that was a Butch Davis holder. So – yes Larry Fedora defense but a Butch Davis talent guy Kareem Martin was a a supreme talent that came in really probably one of the more underrated defensive linemen when you talk about that Butch Davis era and the guys that produced in that era but um, I I think you know it's setting up for him to do he has put on so much weight he's a guy that he, he already had the talent we knew that and now it feels like You're starting to see some of these guys up front, these D-linemen that we've talked about. They're going to be deep, but there's going to be talent up there. I think there's going to be a lot of one-on-one situations for him, and from what we've heard, the body is ready, and we've seen the mindset that he has as a pass rusher. I think Dez Evans leads the team in sacks, and he hits that double-digit mark. It may be exactly 10, but I think he gets there.
1: I start at the offensive side of the football I think Carolina will have multiple guys with 10 or more touchdown receptions. To clarify, I have Josh Downs and Bo Corrales reaching the 10 or more plateau. Carolina did reach that two years ago with De'Ami Brown and Daz Newsom. It hasn't been that far since it's happened, but you're talking about a guy who's stepping into the starting role in Josh Downs, and then Corrales. If the only way you know if he doesn't get healthy, that's really going to put a damper on it. Right, right, right. But he right, is right. easily going to be Carolina's red zone target from or or Sam Howell's target once they enter that twenty yard
0: line. And look, I think there's a legit chance that he gets healthy. Uh, that, I mean, yeah, I th- I think that's. I mean, both. Yeah, like you mentioned, he's going to be your red zone threat, and then Josh Downs, you just feel, he's so electric, man. Like he's going to get his yards. He's going to get his touchdowns. I think there's definitely a legitimate chance. I-, I think depending on who emerges and how quickly they do it, I think this could be similar to a few years ago where you have those two guys in double digits and then you have a guy like Emory Simmons maybe at like that six or seven mark right there where both was. Um, So at number two I've got Jeremiah Gimmel As a first Team all ACC Linebacker and you may Be saying well why is this really all That bold he is a legitimate Player and look I I I think you are Spot on about that I I really like him I think he's a guy That should have been recognized when It came to uh, you know preseason Recognition but Uh, You look at the guys that were recognized as preseason All-ACC, and look, these guys are not slouches. I mean, James Skalski from Clemson was a no-doubter. He was going to be on there. Same thing with Peyton Wilson of NC State. Uh, Nick Jackson of Virginia, another legitimate guy. Um, they, they, I mean, there's there's a bunch of other guys that a, a lot of people think uh, have a chance to have a really good year. Isaiah Moore out of NC State as well. Um, uh, Balen Spector out of Clemson. But I think even with all those guys there, we've seen the, the, the success that Jeremiah Gimmel can have, primarily when he can be that guy that – is focusing on the run game, and is doing what he does best, which is living in the backfield. Now, being that Eugene Asante is out there with him, and we've talked about this quite a few times here on the podcast so far this offseason, it looks like he is going to be in a role that probably fits him a little bit better, which is that guy that is going to be a true inside linebacker, He won't have to leave the box often in coverage. Ideally, you'd rather have Eugene Asante as the guy that drops back into coverage if you need him. And he can be that guy that can get after the quarterback if you need him too. I feel like, I don't don't think he's going to have the same sack numbers as Chad Surratt, but I really do feel like he's a guy that's going to have a big season. I think he can get to that 100 tackle mark, and I think that he ends up being that guy that by season's end there are a lot of great linebackers in this conference but i think if he gets to that that 100 tackle mark i think he can finish with double digit tackles for loss he's going to be too hard to ignore to keep off that first team group
1: i go to the linebacker group as well but i got his counterpart i got eugene asante hmm. will lead the team in tackles and okay. will top chaser rats 115
0: mark from 2 years ago I'm gonna be honest. That I, I'm looking. I got your list here in front of me. Not gonna spoil it. I think that should be your third one. Well, I mean, honestly. He, I mean, that's 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 a lot. I'm mean, 115. Well, okay. That's a lot, man. He had
1: double-digit tackles in the Orange Bowl. Oh the no doubt. First game he started. You got a 12-game model in front of you. 12 times 10 is 120. There's a path- good job on yeah, that. Scoops,
0: scoops Marlowe
1: over here picking it up. There's a pathway to get to it. I, I I had to find something to make it a little bit more bold because I think if he leads the team in tackles, no one's going to be surprised. So I had to get a number, and that 115 I is pretty high.
0: I would I it would be. I, so if you had it as he leads the team in tackles, I think you could have put that as your first one. And because I think most people are probably of the belief that Gimmel will lead the team in tackles, so I think it might be. A little bold, but yeah, adding the 115, I mean, it's bold, but you're right. I mean, look, his numbers are impressive, and I mean, even you talk about some of the other games that he appeared in last year, every time he was in the game, he made an impact. This is not a guy that, well, he flashed in that game against A&M, which in and of itself should be enough, but... In any of the other situations where he was on the field, I think we all, every time he was out there, we kind of said to ourselves, why is this guy not playing more? So I, I feel like that that's one that it's bold, but I think you could definitely see it happening. But I, I like it. I like it. Um, so number three, I have Giovanni Biggers will lead the Tar Heels in interceptions in 2021. Um, I mean, look, I think the popular opinion is that Tony Grimes will lead the team in interceptions, which I think is possible. I also think that not that many teams are going to challenge Tony Grimes I this season. Now, look... If Storm Duck's on the other side, uh, you probably don't want to challenge him too often as well. But you're talking about a guy in Storm Duck who, you know, again, he's still banged up, it appears, in fall camp. <laughs> Kyler McMichael, if he is the guy there, I mean, look, Kyler McMichael's talented. If I'm a quarterback, I would rather try to. Th- take my chances against Kyler McMichael than Tony Grimes so I think that that allows for some other guys to maybe step up and have a chance to be that leader in interceptions and I think Giovanni Biggers he's a guy that was a playmaker in high school Um, we've heard that he can play both stage positions and he's got the athleticism there to him I think he's that guy that Carolina may be looking for in terms of a defensive playmaker and I think he leads the team in interceptions You
1: have Des Evans leading the team in in sacks. Jeremiah Gimmel getting first-team All-ACC honors. I have Eugene Asante leading Carolina in tackles. i got Ray Vowasek being a first-team All-ACC member. As we talked about, Carolina having a top-three defensive line in the ACC. We've seen the impact he had back two years ago when he kind of played. He got his minutes or his snaps in November, made an impact. Last year, the first half of the season, he was dominant. Got worn down. The defense wasn't the same the second half of the season. I think he's more equipped this year to handle the snaps. There's going to be a lot more rotation up front. And I I think he's going to anchor what's going to be the best defensive line we've seen from Carolina in quite some time. So we didn't talk
0: about it in the true-false segment, but it's a thing that I touch on in the takeaways from the interviews. One of the common themes – that you heard from everybody on the defensive side of the football, especially the guys up front and especially Mack Brown and defensive coordinator Jay Bateman, was fewer plays to more production. That is the mantra of this team this year. And I think that Ray Velasik and I also think Tamari Fox are going to be guys that you're going to look at and see that this year. While The numbers were good last year, especially Tamari Fox. His numbers were really, really good for a defensive end. You could see, and Tamari admitted this as well, there were times late in games where even though he had good statistics in the game, he got worn down, and he didn't make the plays late in games. So while the statistics may not be as mind-blowing, the impactful plays will be – what will stand out more this year because while they may not be on the field as much, they're going to be fresher, and it will allow them to make the plays when they need to. I I agree with you. I still think Ray Vowasek has a good chance to be there. Um, this is bold. I'm going to say this, though. It's not overly bold, and that's why I thought I'd have a lower. Our guy, Phil Steele, has him as a third-team All-American. So there are a lot of people around the community that really like him. Throughout college football, and I, I mean, I think you're right. Especially if he can stay healthy this year. He got banged up a little bit early on last year as well in the game against Boston College. I don't think that really affected him all that much. But I, I think you know, especially if he can stay healthy. Last last year, he did have to miss a game. He if he can not miss a game this year, he, I think no doubt he is definitely in the conversation when it comes to uh, that group. Now it's going to be a tough group to crack. Because you're talking about Miles Murphy, Clemson, and Brian uh, Brzee, who are down there at defensive tackle. But I think I think you're right. He's definitely got a legitimate chance to be in there. Number four, uh, I've got uh, at this one. I don't know how bold this uh, – this one, I, I had trouble gauging where this would be at.
1: To be honest, looking at you, board. i got your list in front of me. I'd put this as your most bold prediction.
0: Really? Yes. I don't know, man. That, that, that other you, one – Go ahead and say it. I think the Tar finished with a top 25 overall defense nationally. Now, part of this— When's the last time that happened? So It's been a decade or yeah, more. I mean, here's the thing. Part of this, I think, is the fact that your schedule lends very well to this. A schedule led—they've had a favorable schedule the last two
1: years, and I couldn't stop
0: nobody. Well, but I'm—okay. So, but your fav- that thats one element— <laughs> The fact that your talent is there as well, I think, is the other big thing. And here's the the other thing that I really like about this unit is we've talked about not only that the talent's there, but now the depth is starting to come in there. So if you suffer some of these injuries, a lot of people feel like this is a unit that can sustain that and move forward. I mean, to be honest with you, they were asking Jaquarius Conley the other day which unit he thought was the best on the team. You would think okay he probably said the defensive backfield because he's a part of that got a lot of depth as well a lot of options now wasn't them maybe the D line right a lot of guys down there nine rotation players potentially ten now it wasn't them he said the linebackers he feels like Power Eccles and Ra Ra Dilworth are gaining closer and closer to Jeremiah giminal and Eugene Sante in terms of their readiness to play in a game so I feel like there is depth all over this defense and and I I I feel like if they're going to be as good as the expectations think they are I don't know if this is necessary but this would go a long way to getting them where they want to go um
1: I think it's necessary but that's that's me For me, the last time that Carolina had a Heisman finalist, of course I wasn't alive, my dad wasn't alive, even my mama who birthed my dad wasn't alive all the way back when Charlie Choo Choo Justice was a Heisman finalist, back when Carolina was a football school, not a basketball school, and going to the Sugar Bowl um, in back-to-back years. I think that changes this year. Um, we, we've we said it at, at nauseam since the season ended that Sam Howell's the best quarterback, in our opinion, in, in the yes. country. Yes. You argue that with Spencer Radler. I think those – I think those will be the two – they are the two leading candidates to be in New York. I think Sam Howell gets there, and I do think he will be um, a Heisman finalist giving
0: Carolina their first since Charlie Chuchu justice. So I go a step further at number five, and this is why, to me, this doesn't really make a whole lot of sense Where you are making this, argu- this argument just a minute ago. They have not – like you said, they have not had a legitimate Heisman candidate since 1949 – like, seriously. We well, were coming out of World War II, like, the last time that they had a legitimate threat I think if you to put, win the Heisman. I think if
1: you put, you know, Julius Peppers in our era of college football, I think what he did might have gotten Heisman. Because, I mean, the Dominican got was, Heisman conversation, Jadavian Clowney got Heisman conversation, I, if, and Peppers was just as good, just as dominant, if not better than both see, of those guys. I. I
0: I am trying to remember. I don't have the UNC record book in front of me which has those statistics, but I believe it was either him or Dre Bly who did finish in the top 10 in voting back during their time at Carolina. They've had a, a couple other guys that have been like in, in seventh or eighth. Mike, Mike Voigt was in there at one time. Um, there's a lot of people that believe Kelvin Bryant at one point in his career was headed for that. I forget what season it was. I believe it was 84. He ends up going down with an injury. A lot of people thought that that could have been one of the years where he got in there. But this is the first time that we've seen where national writers There are guys predicting he will be the Heisman Trophy winner. I'm no national writer, but I'm predicting... This is one of my bold predictions. He wins the Heisman. And I think there's a couple elements that go into this. First of all, Carolina's record is a big factor in this. I think that Carolina is going to win 10 or 11 games this season. I have them in that range. If they are in that range... And he plays the way that we think he can. I think, no doubt in my mind, he's a finalist. And then, if you look at his contribution to his team, and depending on where they are in the rankings at that time, I think if they go into that game against Clemson in the ACC title game with a chance to make the playoff, he'll be your Heisman winner. I think if he has the type of season that we know he is capable of having... He will be your Heisman winner. I look Spencer Radler's a heck of a player. There's times where Spencer Radler will turn the football over, and I, I think that Sam Howell is a guy. If if you told me I need a guy for one drive, I'm not taking any quarterback in football in, in college football right now over Sam Howell. I'm not doing it. So I think Sam slinging Sammy Howell is your Heisman Trophy winner. In 2021, I'd love to see it.
1: And I think there's a legitimate chance he could win the Heisman. I think a lot has to go wrong if he's not even a finalist. The reason why I no have doubt. him no being doubt. a finalist and not ultimately winning the Heisman, and this is where the Heisman trophy has lost the meaning. It's now a, you know, usually to win the Heisman, you got to be on a team that competes to win the national championship, at least in the college football playoff. I don't think, and this is my, my final bold prediction, and it's really hard to uh, say this, and I'll dive into why I don't think it happens. I don't think Carolina makes the ACC championship game. <sighs> and it's more of how the schedule lays out for them. On the road at Virginia Tech is as tough an opener this team could have asked for. In that environment, on a Friday night, um, which we can have an argument of playing on Friday to start the season, but that's whatever. I think you're looking at a loss to start the season. You've only won twice there since they joined the ACC. And for whatever it is, Virginia Tech hates Carolina. Fuente and his program has carried that on since Beamer retired. It's a rivalry to them, not to us. They'll be up for that game. And then the swing game for them is that Miami game. And I know it's at home. I know what we did to Miami a year ago. But I think it's put up or shut up for Manny Diaz. I think De'Aric King is the best quarterback in the country that a lot of people kind of just forget about because you've got Sam Howell, you got Spencer Radler, Bryce Young coming into Alabama.
0: DJ Uyunglele.
1: Yeah. And take it a step further – I think Miami is going to beat Alabama to start the season, springboarding oh, a season for them wow. to, to get to the ACC championship game. I think we'll lose to Miami at home. That gives us two mm-hmm. conference losses. I think we go 6-2 and two in the conference. Our third loss at Notre Dame. They've only won once there ever. It's at the end of October. It's going to be cold. It's going to be miserable. So I don't think Carolina makes the ACC championship game. Well, that's as bold as it gets, I, I, and and I'm I a, mean, I'm gonna be quite frank, and and I, and I've reiterated it on here from the if they don't make the ACC title game, barring severe injuries, Sam Howell, or a lot of guys, this season
0: is a failure. So you're thinking that there this is this is a team that's headed for a failing season.
1: Ultimately, yes, you've got the best quarterback in program history and you're looking at the possibility in my opinion of not making the ACC championship game. And people will, how can you not trust this team? Look at the games they've lost. Last year the losses to Virginia, to Florida State were inexcusable. And as I mentioned about the schedule, when has Carolina played their best football under Mac Brown? It's been in November. You put that Miami game in November, I think Carolina wins that game when I think they make the ACC championship game. I think if you put that Miami game at the end of October, I don't think when they play Miami, the running game is going to be what it needs to be for this offense to do what it needs to do to function. And I, and I, I think that's why. I think if you give them last year's schedule, I'd put them in there. But I think the schedule doesn't lean to them to be successful, to make or successful enough to make the ACC title game. And when it's all said and done,
0: it's kind of going to be like a lost season. Yeah, I, I, I mean, look, that first game against Virginia Tech is not any Carolina fan because I've seen Tar Heel fans that say, look. F- Virginia Tech struggling. Carolina should have no issue with them. That's the first game of the year. You're playing on the road in Blacksburg. It's the first time in over a year that that place is going to be even remotely close to the environment that it's been. That is going to be a tough game. Carolina has played up there with quarterbacks that are not that great. Braxton Burmeister is not great. Braxton Burmeister is one of the worst starting quarterbacks in the ACC right now. But that's something that even though they may not have had the best quarterbacks over the, rest of the last couple of years, Carolina struggled against them. So I, I think it's going to be a tough game out of the gate. But I think that's one of those games where you've been preparing for that one for months, and that's a game that I feel like Mac Brown, I, 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 going in, I, I'm thinking he's taking a similar mindset to us. If not – more so. I mean, he's talked about it a lot. We need to dust the, He said this multiple times as well, we need to dust the sugar off of ourselves because everybody has <laughs> been sweet on us. They have been hyping us up. I haven't. They have been hyping us up in the preseason because they they think that we've done something. He said right out, we haven't accomplished anything. We're an 8-4 and four football team, and we lost to Virginia and Florida State. And people get mad at me when I reiterate, what he's what he says I mean I get it here's the here's the thing about not trying to go off of that as a gauge for this season for him and it's something that you should keep in mind as well it makes sense you should be hammering that home to your guys especially that Florida State game guys we came into that game thinking we were the number five team in the country he said look I told our guys look at how many conferences aren't playing yet that we're not the number five team in the country, but they thought they were, and they went in there and lost. That was an experience that he hopes will humble them. Same thing with Virginia. That was another game where they felt like, look, we've lost to them three straight years, but we can walk in here. This is not a good Virginia team. they won one game. We should have no problem beating that team. My thing is is that you would hope, and, and I think, it's more about you trust that Mac Brown and his staff have these guys in a better mindset. And and even some of the leaders on the team, like Sam Howell, to say, well, we been, we went through that last year. Well, I mean, they, they have had guys that have been asked that question of, you guys were number five in the country last year. Mac Brown says that you guys were full of yourselves and got beaten that game against Florida State. How do you adjust that mindset for this year? You would hope that they have adjusted that mindset. I mean, you'd hope. And I think that they they probably have to a certain extent. And I feel like that's one of the reasons they can win that game against Virginia Tech and will win that game against Virginia Tech out of the gate. The game against Miami – I mean, it's a weird series, too, because the win streaks in that series are all over the place. The fact that Carolina has won two in a row against them is is pretty crazy. But Carolina has had Miami's number for the most part since that team's come to the ACC. Um, I, there's a lot of things to like about Miami this year. I think the biggest thing for Miami at that time is, yeah, Carolina lost their running backs. You wonder if they're going to be able to run the ball I mean, they're not going to run it as well as they did last year. Anybody that thinks that's going to happen, you're, you're playing yourself. If, if, you they, if, the if they can do that, they'll make the college football playoffs. If they can do that, I'm going to be honest with you. Yeah, I think, I think so. Too. <laughs> and I'm going to be honest. At that point. What running back in the country wouldn't want to come and play in that offense? Because clearly that's the system that's just working wonders for you. Um, But, I mean, look, do I think Ty Chandler can carry enough in that game? And and I think from the group that's back there, right around that time as well, that'll be fifth or sixth game of the year. Don't you feel like if he's going to emerge – That's around the time where Caleb Hood starts to sort of get things rolling and sort of starts to figure some things out if he's going to. The Miami
1: thing for me is more about what they do week one and what we do week one. Then beating Alabama, in my opinion, there's no better way to start your season.
0: I mean, you're – and you should, you're about the only person that has that prediction. I think there's a there's chance a lot they, of people that they're just they're not, not beating that. They're, they're there's not, too much for Alabama. So oh, okay, I, man.
1: you know, I think it's just going to springboard a big season for Miami, where we start the season high expectations and all that, and we've seen this program in this situation before. And what happens? They crap the bed, and I think that's
0: and I think that's why. I mean, Miami's crapped the bed plenty of times here in recent memory as well. But, I mean, that's not a team that you can rely on in terms of expectations either. So. I mean, look, I think it's possible. I the If, if anybody thinks that Alabama's going to roll in there and destroy them, it's not going to happen. That is going to be like everybody's talking about how good Clemson George is going to be. That, that game between Alabama and Miami is going to sneak up on some people. Yes. And they, they will realize if you're not watching that game, that is one where all of a sudden on that first Saturday you're going to say, whoa, we got to get over here because something's happening. So, um, I, I mean, I think it's possible. The Notre Dame thing, I've said this multiple times already. Do I think there's a chance they could beat that team? Yes, because they lose a lot from a year ago. I don't think, and I mean, I don't think many people think Jack Cohen, the transfer from Wisconsin, is not going to be what Ian Book was. Ian Book was a very underrated quarterback in terms of what he did for Notre Dame. He got them to the playoff. And I I just, it's going to be tough to replace him. But Carolina has won one football game all time against Notre Dame. That was a game that Cam Sexton was your starting quarterback in. They have never won in South Bend, and to be frank, they have never really come all that close to winning there. Uh, that that one, the fact that they are favored in that game blows my mind. I, I, I like it, that that one. I, I just don't. So I think, but again, I could see ten and two. Or eleven and one. I also think here's the thing, and I think you think this to a certain extent, because like you said, that Miami game is a toss-up. If they were to lose that first game at Virginia Tech, that would hurt. That would def that would be a blow to the resume for sure. I think at that point, I mean you you could get into the college football playoff. You would have to go undefeated and beat Clemson. God, I don't yes. think that is a season ruiner where like if you lose that game, well it's over. This team's going six and six five and seven but
1: um no there's too much talent to go six and six it could have the same effect when we lost to South Carolina and Charlotte back in 15 where
0: what a lot of people think
1: it motivates them they you know they 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 fix their issues and all that I just I I still think they're a year away
0: but to be honest with you do you are you are you really you think they're a year away? You really think they're going to be better next year? Cuz yes. next year you got to replace your starting quarterback. And you're replacing a once in a generation quarterback at Carolina. Look, I, think I don't Drake think the May's defense is going to be talent.
1: I don't think the defense is going to be good enough to cuz I think I think they've got to win games at Virginia Tech against Miami. Those games and I don't think the offense is going to be what it's going to be in November. I think it's still they're going to be playing games in the mid-20s. I
0: don't think Carolina can win like that. See, I think they could win that first game of the year like that because we've seen them before out of the gate play really well. Remember, I mean, game against South Carolina that they lost back in 2015. That was a defense that had no business holding South Carolina. That was in 17. a neutral field. But it's, I, I think first game of the year. But This is the thing about Virginia Tech as well it's their first game. They are going to have mistakes that they're going to make. I think that's going to be one of those games where I, what I'm afraid of happening in that game is you get into a low scoring battle that you ultimately don't end up winning. I'm not if that game becomes high scoring, I think that favors Carolina. If they can start putting up points and Carolina is matching them, that favors Sam Howell and the Tar Heels. But I think the, the thing about that game against Virginia Tech in terms of the defense is if your defense is going to play at its best, it should be in that game because that's the game you would imagine that you're going to be fully healthy, fully rested. That's the that's the best your defense should look because normally coming into the season, we've heard it plenty of times going into fall camp. We heard it all the time. Your defense should always be ahead of your offense. It should be. That should be the case in that first game of the season for Carolina. Their defense should be ahead of an offense in in Virginia Tech that is okay, not great. So I feel like that's where Carolina, that they get a little bit of a break with that. Don't like the environment to start out the season. But I think that de- if there's a game where their defense – can give them the best opportunity to win. It's that first game of the season. I think. We'll just have to wait and see, though. Those are the bold predictions. For the 2021 season for the Tar Heels. We'll close up with a couple of notes here. As I mentioned uh, on the recruiting side of things, 2022 five-star defensive tackle Travis Shaw is set to announce his decision on August 21st. Some people thought that was a decision that was going to extend into the season. It technically does, but It is the first Saturday of the season. He'll play his season opening game, and then we'll decide in a special ceremony that will be held at Grimsley High School in Greensboro uh, on August 21st. Carolina, Clemson, the two teams that most people feel like are battling for that, and Carolina right now early on uh, when it's come to the forecasts on both rivals and 24-7 sports – Look to be trending in the right direction. We'll say that. Um, We'll break that down a little bit more. Me and Zach Hubbard are going to preview his prediction coming up here um, before he ends up announcing that. That'll be sometime next week. And I'll, of course, have a big-time commitment preview on the website for his commitment uh, coming up, as I said, uh, two Saturdays from now. Another note. All but two home games already sold out for the season. Not shocking. All of them are ACC games so far. You would expect that they are probably going to sell out the game against Georgia State being the home opener. Wofford's the other game. That's another one that you would expect will probably sell out uh, at some point. Uh, but Carolina off to some uh, a good start in terms of selling out games, uh, not just season tickets either. They've already sold those out. Those were no problem uh, since they've put the uh, the one-game sales up. Uh, that is, it's been what, like a week and a half, Something two weeks, like and they've already sold out all their conference games. So again, you can see that the excitement is palpable around this Tar Heel football team. And then lastly, you actually, you actually mentioned on the basketball podcast. Nice plug, by the way. Yeah. Uh, Javon Terry, AJ Beatty enter the transfer portal. We got articles up there on the website for them. Here's the thing. It's not something to be overly concerned about. Depth, guys. Uh, A.J. Beattie was one of those guys where you moved him over to the offensive side of the ball. He was playing a little bit of center for you. He was actually taking snaps with Brian Anderson being banged up. He was one of those guys that, look, if it ended up working out and he played a pretty big role for you, great. That would have saved you a scholarship down the line, having to recruit a center. He ends up moving on. Carolina is still really good at the position. Jonathan Adorno, of course, is there. He's been taking some snaps uh, there during, the, uh, d- during this period here to start fall camp with Brian Anderson out. Also, Chance Carroll, the walk-on redshirt freshman. He also was taking some snaps. A lot of people think that's part of the reason why Beatty transferred because he was competing with a freshman walk-on for those reps. Um, and then Javon Terry... Again, versatile guy on the back end. Saw him play some on special teams as well back in 2019. But he was at, He was at Carolina for three seasons. He was only active for one of the seasons. He, of course, opted out last year and redshirted back in 2018. So Carolina, with all the talent that they've got in that defensive backfield, it doesn't feel like it's something that they have to be overly concerned about. But uh, head over to the website if you want to read a little bit more about uh, the fallouts from those transfer portal additions uh, that go against the Tar Heels. So uh, that wraps it up for this edition of the podcast. Head over to the website, as we mentioned, check out those articles, recruiting articles, as we talked about. Um, Of course, Travis Shaw, as I mentioned, will have an article about him, a bunch of other recruiting stuff that we'll be covering for you guys throughout the season. We are also hoping to do some of the um, scouting reports again this year. Don't know how many we're going to be able to do. Uh, There is a little bit less time than I've had in the past asked to do some of those things. So if there's something that ends up getting cut, it's probably going to end up having to be those, but we'll see. I think there's still a good chance that I'll be able to get to a few of those throughout the season, and maybe we'll give you a look at some of those uh, big-time um, you know, targets for Carolina in the class. Definitely some of the commits we'll go and look at in the 22 cycle, uh, and also 23, 24. Uh, we'll go uh, with whoever we got to take a look at some of these guys. Um, also, on the website, we'll have, uh, as I mentioned... Uh, We do the bold predictions. We'll make that into an article on the website where we'll go even more in-depth than we talked about here on the podcast. Maybe not on that last one. That was pretty in-depth. That was like 15 minutes. But uh, the other stuff definitely we'll go a little more in-depth on. And coming up on the podcast, make sure you guys are sticking around, breakout players. We'll give you the five players that we think will break out this year. We've done this before. Some of them have been spot-on accurate. Some of them have (laughs) been hideously wrong. So you'll definitely want to check out that. And probably come back to us at the end of the year and tell us how stupid we were. So, you know, definitely keep an eye out for that and the article over there on the website. In terms of the podcast, check it out. Any of the major podcast sites: Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. Those are the main ones. Uh, but there's plenty of other places that you can listen to it as well. Uh, and uh, when it comes to the video editions of the podcast and really everything that we just talked about, the best place to check it all out is Facebook. That's where we do the video editions of the. Podcast podcast you'll have the audio editions if you want to just listen to them or if you can't watch the video edition for some reason if you're in the car don't want to have to focus on you know us you know my hand motions on your screen or whatever while you're trying to drive or whatever you can listen to the audio edition of the podcast and you can also check out those articles on there all those are posted on there for you guys also head over to the twitter page at keel tough blog Uh, we can you know also want to plug our personal pages as well we put all our stuff on there we've also got uh you know more followers on there we want to keep adding to that so at htb anthony for me at htb josh for this guy and then the recruiting analyst want to follow him over these next couple of weeks here especially as we get close to that travis shaw commitment at hack 2 on twitter so that wraps it up for this additional podcast want to thank you guys for watching and listening and as always go tar